0: his son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father, um, this morning we come before you. um, Your people who are here in that Advent season of waiting, of hope, and of expectation where we um, remember the promise that was to be fulfilled. Your word just told us that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts came in the flesh of a baby boy. Emmanuel, you told us that you would be with us. So Father, we worship you and we praise you today for the promise that has already been fulfilled. And God, we gather together as your community to look forward and expectantly and with hope and with anticipation to the day that you return again and you restore all that is right. Father, this morning we join together as a community not only to sing to you and to hear your word, but to pray with our brothers and sisters, to pray for peace, when sometimes there feels like there's no peace, and for hope, when sometimes we feel like we have no hope at all, and to pray for love, love that came down, and to pray for mercy and we ask for forgiveness And we pray for those who are hurting at this time of the year, knowing that it's tough, but we ask you to surround them, surround them, surround us. As we continue to learn about you this morning, stir in our hearts. May your word be quick and powerful. May it pierce our souls. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen.
1: That was one of the cutest things I've ever seen, those kids playing those. That was awesome. I'm glad that was my idea. (laughs) Oh, no. That wasn't my idea at all. I'm Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, before we get started today, let me make sure you understand, it's going to be a little different sermon than what I normally do. Normally, I like to take a passage of scripture, and I like to teach it word by word, verse by verse, go through Uh, We're going to do something a little different today. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of have a a stream of consciousness flow from my heart as a pastor to you and talk a little bit about the Christmas season. Uh, What's good about it, what can make it struggle and what can make it better. Um, And so the idea that I want to communicate with you today is this one that I came up called public Christmas versus personal Christmas. And I have two pictures up there. The first one, you know, public Christmas, joy to the world, the Lord has come. That's like like universe kind of big stuff. Uh, I chose the passage that Cooper read because it's so big. His name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Prince of Peace. The government should be on his shoulders. He's going to rule everything and everything's going to be awesome. And it's, like it's, that's, That passage he read is huge. The expanse of it is just ridiculous. It's so big. <clears throat> and joy to the world is big. But then there's a picture next to it, and that's a picture of Jesus and the woman at the well. So you see, one is public Christmas, and this is a personal Christmas. You remember the first week in Advent, I talked about this idea called Advent, and how Advent means that grace comes toward you. And when grace comes toward you, it comes toward us in big ways, like joy to the world and behold, in this day there's a king born and, and wonderful counselor. That's big public Christmas. But then there's also the personal Christmas where Jesus sits down with a woman that everyone else despises and talks to her for like an hour. And they're both important. So with that in mind, uh, I want to go through public Christmas. Do you ever feel guilty that Christmas isn't as exciting as it sounds? I mean, I love those carols. But sometimes... The great carols we sing don't match how I feel. I'm just being real with you. Do you ever feel disappointed in yourself for not feeling the Christmas spirit, whatever that is? I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never seen anybody define it. Oh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Oh, great. That's the Christmas spirit. I'll never get it then. But do you ever feel disappointed because what you feel is not commensurate with the words you're hearing around you? I mean, something this big must be exciting and energizing, right? I mean, if something this big, and if I really do believe in it, then it should really, like, motivate me, like, fire me up. Because the message of Christmas is big. It's global. It's expansive. And it's disrupting. And we know, church, we know it's supposed to be full of joy, but let's be honest, it's a little intimidating, all this joy. <laughs> Especially if we just focus on the massive size of Christmas. You know, the one that everybody sees? It's what I like to call public Christmas. And Isaiah 9, 6 to 7 describes it. A child is born, a son is given, the government, wonderful counselor, mighty God, increase of the government and peace, there'll be no end, the throne of David forever. Forever establish it and hold it, justice, righteousness, from this time forth, that doesn't sound very personal to me. Don't get me wrong, I like it. But it doesn't sound warm and fuzzy, does it? You know what, when I read this, you know what I think of? Big Greek columns, (laughs) you know? Government, justice, righteousness. I mean, because we think about it. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Everybody sings it this time of year, knows it. Heck, even atheists sing it for whatever reason. They, they do. To save us all from Satan's power. I'm in for that, but that's a pretty big deal too. Then there's this one. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. I mean, I know that that's one of the results of Christ in the end, but it seems like just an unattainable goal. But these are huge, big, Public Christmas ideas and the powerful truth, these exciting, massive concepts, they're awesome. But it can also and try to see if you can bear with me on this, see if you agree these massive concepts, can't they seem a little bit impersonal? Institutional, traditional? I mean, being be truthful many times, the carols don't impact at least, they don't impact me the way they should. I've become too familiar with them. Like, the first time I see something massive, wow, that is a huge vehicle, or that is a huge stadium, or that guy is huge. Third or fourth time, yeah, he's big. The fifth time, that's pretty good size. You get more and more familiar with big things. I feel like we've become very familiar with Christmas, public Christmas, I mean, I sing the songs and I know the concepts, but I run the risk each year of going unimpacted by them. And that seems like it's a sin. Because just celebrating a public Christmas, the joy to the world part, that gets old, does it not? I mean, it becomes a full calendar, a big list of to-do list items. It becomes family dysfunction, amen? (laughs) Cultural expectations. Regret, bad memories from Christmases that failed, and stress. Amen. The church. <laughs> Come on, sister. The church choir, the Christmas party, the stained glass windows, the television. I love the television Christmas specials. You know, Frosty the Snowman and and all those. Joy to the world, peace on earth, they're all wonderful things. But public Christmas by itself becomes a pressure cooker to get things just right, appear the right way, display the right reactions, wear the right clothes, have the right decorations, have the right emotions and feelings, etc. Don't get me wrong, all that stuff is awesome. But if that's all Christmas is, I miss a huge part of it. But if I only see Christmas as this public gift that God gave to all mankind as a result, I am not going to benefit from the full impact of Advent, which means grace coming toward me. So let me talk about personal Christmas. The woman at the well. It's in John 4, 1-26 if you want to read it later. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 that Cooper read is a great picture of the wonderful public Christmas. But then my mind contrasted this passage with the example of Jesus and the woman at the well. This joy to the world guy, this government on his shoulders, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, big dude, right? He stops and takes the time to talk to a woman, otherwise alone, alone. And rejected by the religious, a woman that had no benefit of big public displays of affection, or I mean of religion, because she wasn't allowed to participate in them. But what she got instead of big public Christmas was this private, personal intersection with the creator of the universe, and that meeting transformed her forever. It wasn't a massive choir. It wasn't a big Christmas party. It wasn't like the most incredible decorations. It wasn't any. It was a one hour, one on one personal Christmas, personal Advent coming toward her that changed her. So let me give you some examples of what makes a gift special. So imagine you're exchanging gifts with friends, right? Your friend comes up and he says, Listen, I have this gift and I picked it out just for you. I got gifts for everyone, but I picked this one out just for you. And as everyone opens their gifts in plain view, you realize all the gifts are exactly the same. Wait a minute, you just told me it was special. Oh, it is. But there's the same thing. Oh, yeah, there's a special too. I mean, honestly, would you be overflowing with the Christmas spirit? I mean, it's probably a nice gift, but you told me it was special. special. I mean, we would appreciate the gift for sure because that's what you're supposed to do during Christmas. Oh, that's great. Nice sweater. If you got somebody a sweater, please don't judge me on that, okay? Sweaters are great, especially in Sarasota. So if you... I can't... I always get myself in trouble up here. I mean, if we, we appreciate the gift, but maybe something is missing. It's not because of the value of the gift or the elaborateness of the gift. But it's not special. It's the same as everyone else. I mean, what if we are so distracted by public Christmas that we get it all wrong? Or at least we get it half wrong. What if Christmas isn't just this grand, big, exciting public experiment? See, I believe Jesus came not only with great fanfare, but also to be personal and private and intimate with his children. So let me tell you a story of two of the best gifts I've ever received in my life. First, there was this family that uh um that my family was very close to, we're still very close to, some of them are here today. And I was a pastor in, in another church with them, and we had a special relationship with them, and they brought in these little gift baskets with cookies and brownies to all the pastors. I think there was four or five of us at the time. And uh they were like good gift bags. they got a lot of good candy, like cookies in there, and knowing this family they were probably gluten free cookies or something, I don't know. <laughs> organic, you know, I don't know, but they were delicious. But then the daughter who Lauren and I had a very special relationship with came in my office. She goes, Merry Chris. I said, thank you. And she and she whispers, she goes, This one's different than all the others. I said, you really? She goes, yeah, look at the bottom. So I dug out all the cookies, you know. And on the bottom, there is this $150 Best Buy gift card. Now let me explain. If you know me at all, you know I love those. Hint hint. I love <laughs> I love Best Buy gift cards. And it wasn't that it was a Best Buy gift card. It was 150 bucks. You know why that gift was so cool? Because this family, this, their daughter that knew us so well, she knew what I would love. And she picked me out to bless me in a special way. And to this day, that was like 15 years ago, 17 years ago. And I still remember, like, I've gotten a dozen Best Buy gift cards. That was my favorite. I'll tell you another story about a friend of mine named Sam. <clears throat> Sam, I was Sam's youth pastor, and I was also his first football coach. Uh, Sam was from Nigeria. He was a good football player, and I had the privilege of leading Sam to Jesus. I loved Sam. Sam went to Liberty University and played football there and was a backup for his whole time there, which got the coach fired later on, we found out. But Sam got to the NFL, And Sam was playing for the Packers one year, and he had like 600 yards rushing in four games and like five touchdowns. And I remember watching a game one time, and he had like 220 yards rushing against the Lions. He was just running all, I was like, I was going nuts. I thought I was a Bucs fan. I said, no, I guess I'm a Sam fan. Sam was, but what really I loved about Sam is he was playing football for one reason. He wanted to play for four years to get his players pension so he'd go to medical school and become a missionary doctor in Nigeria. His name is Sam Gatto. So he sent me a gift about a month and a half ago. I cried for an hour. It was one of the best gifts I ever received. Sam was close to my family, close to my daughter. Sam, and he sent me this jersey. It's in my office with the Packers, number 35. And he wrote something on the jersey that he would not write to anyone else. And it says to Joe Davis, my father in the faith. Yeah, exactly. You understand? Like, I started crying. I I it Sam. This is one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. Because you know why he couldn't send that? Like, that was special to me. And why was it not? Because I have a lot of football jerseys, but that was from Sam, and he wrote to my father in the like. That was humbling, and he knew me. That was an amazing gift. It was personal. I mean, these gifts, both of them, were so impactful, so joyful, because nobody else could appreciate them like I did. Like, that'd be a cool jersey to have in your office, but you wouldn't be able to appreciate that inscription, and what that verse means, and some other things he wrote on it that only he and I would understand. These were gifts designed specially for me. They weren't like, well, Joe, listen, I got this, and I put this inscription on I was going to give it to someone else, but... They're mad at me, so I'm giving it to you. It wasn't like that. (laughs) He said, I thought of you, we thought of you the whole time. God's gift of salvation through Jesus is the greatest personalized gift of faith. Each story of how Christ impacts someone is tailor-made, personal, and different, like a fingerprint. Because he knows you better than anyone on the earth And he knows exactly, get this, he knows exactly what flavor of grace you will love the most. That's personal Christmas. It's the story of how the King of Kings wonderful counselor came to save me, your pastor, by name, personally. Like the woman at the well. Here's some verses that explain to you why Jesus can give you the best personal Christmas. Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I know that you knew me better than anyone before I was even a thought. You knew all of my days before days were even made. Before God separated the moon and the sun and the light and the dark, you knew me. Look at this one. God's saying this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you future and a hope. Jeremiah 1, through 4-5, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, or sanctified you, and I ordained you, or I chose you. And there's this one, Ephesians 1, 3-4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every, in other words, given us gifts, with every spiritual blessing in heaven, in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him. Personal Christmas. Because, see, Christmas... And I'll insert salvation through Jesus Christ is a personalized, tailor-made gift for each of us that have been given, what? The greatest gift of all. The gift of faith. faith, The type of faith that we needed to trust, to hope, to believe in the work of Jesus on the cross. And the first time you open this personal Christmas gift... It's so special, it's so personal, it's so powerful, it fills you with the joy that we sing about in public Christmas. What is interesting is this, the joy in public Christmas doesn't come from public Christmas. It comes from personal Christmas. Public Christmas is an act unless it starts with personal Christmas. Joy to the world means nothing If you haven't been the woman at the well first. This Christmas. Celebrate both public and personal Christmas. We can celebrate public Christmas together. But only you and Jesus can celebrate personal Christmas. A gift that nobody can appreciate except you. From the King of Kings, who took the time to pick it out, craft it, create it, and impart it just to you and you alone. So be sure to take time to enjoy personal Christmas tonight and tomorrow. Because Christmas without the personal is like opening your gifts halfway. Can you imagine getting a great gift like, my, you know, my son says he's got me a really good gift this year. And so it'd be like me saying, awesome. And it's in a box, and I just take the wrapping paper off. Yeah, that is cool. That's kind of silly. If you don't celebrate personal Christmas, it's like opening your gifts halfway. If you want joy to the world, celebrate personal Christmas first through the gift of faith. Dad, we're so thankful that personal Christmas is the reason we can sing about the joy that we have in Christ we can get intimidated, at least I can get intimidated by big public Christmas sometimes but when that happens, Lord, I pray that you would give me a reminder to go back and reopen my gift of faith again and celebrate that alone time with you The moment where you reached into my heart and took me who was dead and made me alive in Christ Jesus and gave me the gift of faith. The ability to believe. You give me the gift of eternal life. Which gives me cause to celebrate public Christmas.